0: This is five on three center ice for all things Islanders Rangers and all news across the NHL on WFUV sports. Welcome back to five on three WFUV's best if only hockey podcast and we are back from spring break. I know you missed us and we have shaken it up a little bit today to my right is the beastly blue shirt Lou Orlando? Mm, hi. And across from me is the dastardly devil dastardly. James Burley. I'm Nick Palmer, of course. And before we get into all the good and not so good things bad. around the NHL, bad, bad. I have to ask, how are you guys?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm excited for you. I don't think you said it. This is your first time a hosting this podcast. And you've been you've been around now for you feel like you know a part of the the rotating crew you you feel like a staple oh. I gotta say so I am I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I would say it's been a long
2: time coming. I think it's it's overdue. The, the a host chair for you, my friend Nick, uh, mm-hmm. the incredible Islander. If I can pull a play oh, book. Oh, there you go. Um, I couldn't think of one with a K
1: for King, so I decided to go incredible. Very Kingly basic with Kings. it. Yeah, that that that's that's too, just too there's, much. there's a chance that you refer to yourself as the future of this station, so it's good to see you get but either you or someone the has referred is to you now. as the future and the future is now. The future and is now. The future now. is you and the future is here. You guys. There is <laughs> there is so much
0: love around this desk. We have quite a few things to talk about though, um, on the issue of love. Hmm. Um obviously I wanna start ...with the controversy. Let's get the bad news it's out of the way, of the and way. then and then we'll talk about the good stuff. I want to talk first about James Reimer, the Sharks goaltender, who refused to wear the Pride Night jersey in warm-ups. Obviously, this is following the issues with Ivan Provorov, etc., etc. It seems like almost every team with a Russian on their squad, this is happening to. Uh, I guess I'll go to you first, James. What is going on, man?
2: Well, it's sort of becoming like this epidemic across the league now where um, there's an open discussion, and at least least you can say there's a silver lining that teams are actually talking to their players about these sorts of issues, which is, the whole point is to get discussions going and talking and and to raise awareness, but it's just, it's so disappointing to see that this is the, the way some people take it. I mean... James Reimer had his reasons. We were we read them. I think you have the quote prepared if you want to read it. I, th- I think we could we could start there and, and dive into it, but I think it's just mostly across the NHL the, the this trend of of refusing the pride uniforms to me it's more disappointing than anything. Um, yeah, and I think it's been, it's put the rest of the San Jose sharks in an awkward position to have to speak about your goaltender like that in a way that maybe they don't really disagree with his actions. So, Lou, if you want to yeah, say
1: what he said. Let's look at the quote. The quote from Reimer is, I have no hate in my heart for anyone, and I have always strived to treat everyone I encounter with respect and kindness. In this specific instance, I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority in my life. That's it, that's a quote right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we get back into this conversation about, right, you have you have the right to make whatever choice you want, but when it comes to a situation like this where these Pride Nights are less about personal choice and more about supporting the LGBTQ community and showing the league support for the community, right? It's not personal support. This is the league. It's a tough look when we're seeing numerous teams, right, even locally, like the Rangers, and right, the Rangers didn't publicly come out and say that they weren't going to do a Pride Night, but they didn't do a Pride Night. And so that, you know, we had to deal with that locally. We have had to deal with it. it started with Provorov and the Flyers. It really just stinks that you kind of hope that we were in a better spot in the league where we wouldn't have to deal with this as much. And so it really just stinks that it's it's popping up. It feels like it started with the Provorov, and other teams realized, like, oh, we can do this. Other players were like, oh, we can do this. And that's they've kind of followed suit.
0: No, it, it it is definitely an issue. It kind of hurts my heart, man, because... Hockey is one of these sports where you could argue it's a little behind the times. Yeah. And there is widespread, you know, there there's a lot of racism in hockey. There's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of diehard Eastern Orthodox Russians, sorry, Russian Orthodox uh people who just, you know, they 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 believe what they believe in, of course, you know. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, we're all about that. But when it's it's really hurting the game of hockey, in my opinion, and it's not, as you said, you know, the Rangers, they decided not to, didn't even say anything about it, they just showed up without the jerseys on. The Blackhawks, of course, are the most recent team uh, to adopt this policy, but they are saying ahead of time that we're just not going to do it. James, I'm curious to think, is every team going to be doing this?
2: I I think, well, I think a lot of teams have already had their Pride nights, um, yeah. from what I've seen, and a lot of teams are choo- choosing to go through with it, and most of the players. That was the dialogue from the NHL. The league said that players will have the choice to wear this if they do and don't want to when the whole Provorov thing came out. But then for the Blackhawks and uh, Rangers and Blackhawks most recently to come out and cite this Russian law as a reason we're not going to have the players wear it, well then it takes the choice away from the players, and that goes against what the league wants, and what the league already wants is not doing enough, in my opinion. So, for teams to have made that decision, to me, is, is again, disappointing. Right. Um, and to go back to James Reimer, the quote, he he said, I am choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions. Man, you're not endorsing anything. You're just wearing a shirt, man. Just put it on. For three minutes. For 3 You're wearing it for warmups, And if you're starting that day, you get to go off before everyone else. So, you're going to wear it for five, ten minutes max. You're not endorsing anything. You're choosing to support... Uh, a community that has suffered for many, many years and has been excluded from hockey. Um, I'm blanking on his name now, but the only openly gay player in North American hockey at the moment is in the Seattle Kraken system, and was said the exact same thing. Is like you're not endorsing anything. No one's forcing you to operate under a new lifestyle, right. um, but this game is about people. All games are about people, and people means everyone, and hockey should be for everyone, and right now, if... This is going to deter people from being a hockey fan and deter people from believing in hockey as an acceptable community that accepts people. And you mentioned, and it, Nick, it, it, it currently isn't, and it arguably never really has been for everyone. Um, you Look at this room right now. where three white dudes sitting at a table talking about hockey, and at most podcasts about hockey around the world would probably resemble this exact demographic. So if we want to open this game to everyone. This sort of stuff has to stop. And I'm so tired of hearing players hide behind the the wall of Christianity specifically when they can just pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe in. I know people have already said this, but I'll just beat the dead horse. If you're playing on Sunday, you're <laughs> violating the Bible. You're, you've been a Christian for 13 years. Don't play on Sundays, James Reimer. Um, if you, uh, you're wearing blended fabrics, you can't do that either. So. Uh, I just, I just think that f- to f- to say I have no hate in my heart, but this is the one part of the Bible that I want to adhere to when I play hockey, is an oxymoron. I think he's um, maybe not intentionally trying to be hateful, but it certainly is, um, and its impact is going to be dis, going to continue to disappoint me. It's going to continue to disappoint hockey fans, and I, and I really just wish that everybody got the point of these things, and that it's to just open the game to people and not to endorse a lifestyle is crazy uh, and and even so it's just it's just it's taken in the wrong direction by everyone and it, we should get back to remembering what the point of this all thing is and it's not it's not to be the person you want to be And and don your this is this is who i am and i'm choosing to stand up against against this whole thing It is nonsense I, I i'm and i'm tired of it and i'm glad we started the show this way because i think this is a really important issue that needs to be talked about
1: and one thing that, and I noticed this when it started with the Provarov thing, is that it takes the conversation away from what we really should be talking mm-hmm. about. One of the things that really stunk about the whole Provarov thing was that what kind of got swept under the rug was what James Van Riemsack and Scott Laughton did. Um, they did a lot of stuff to reach out, brought transgendered and LGBTQ people into the into the clubhouse, got them tickets. They've been doing that the whole year, and so. A couple articles came out around the pro thing about these are two guys in the Flyers locker room that have been really good about inclusivity and welcoming people. And from an objective standpoint, however you feel on the issue, right, like hockey is not in a spot to turn people away. They need to be more inclusive. Nick, you opened this up with, you know, we're a little socially behind. I think hockey's very socially behind when you look at yeah. how we – Almost less than 2% of the people in the, in the NHL are African-American. You're not seeing a ton of, ton of diversity in the league. You're not seeing a ton of diversity in the fan base. And it's like you're not in a position to be able to push people like this away. And it just sends the wrong message. This is a league that has already been behind the eight ball on a lot of stuff like this. And it just shows that there's still so much work to go.
0: Seriously. I mean, it was only last year that we saw the first all-black forward line in North America, not even in the NHL. It was for the Ontario Reign, the King's organization. It featured uh Quentin Byfield. Obviously he was spearheading that line. But yeah, I mean I, I don't wanna you guys hit it perfectly. We're behind. And it's not it's not that deep, man. It's really not that deep. You said hockey's for everyone. It is. And and this is the great thing about sports is, you know, I'm tired of hearing that we need to separate sports and politics, when the thing that we're discussing is, is this sport for everyone? And sports needs to be for everyone. That's the beautiful thing about sports. It it transcends all of these things. It needs to include everyone. And it's just really disappointing in general just to hear about all of this. But I I, I want to put a pause on the doom and gloom because there are a lot of good things happening in hockey right now. I'm trying to think who we should start with. Well, if you want
2: to talk about good things, only one of the three teams represented won in their last game. That's fair. That's
0: correct. Yeah. So I, I guess I, we're I gonna feel start. Like going there. <laughs> so I guess we're gonna start. I didn't. I see. I didn't want to feel like I was unfair. But yeah. today on this episode of Five on Three, we're starting with the New York Islanders. Let's go, baby. Um, I'm starting with Lou Orlando. What did you think of the massive win against the Maple Leafs? What did you like? And more importantly,
1: did you see that Ilya Sorogan save? I did see that Ilya Sorogan save, and that almost reminded me of the save he made last year against the Rangers that won save of the year. I think that could be another candidate for save of the year. I'm, I don't. You guys would have to remind me if you've seen anything else that would top that. That was crazy. The net was wide open. I don't know how he did that. But about the I mean, the Maple Leafs are a really good team. They're going to be a really strong playoff team. They're okay. second in the Atlantic right now. Islanders trounced them. They crushed them. 7-2, the offense was clicking, and Sorokin was amazing. That's, I think, a statement win for the Islanders, and I think it kind of captures the way they've kind of turned around this la- these last couple of weeks where I think you're starting to get to a point where you're starting to fear the Islanders a little bit. Remember what we said at the beginning of the year where it was like, hey, man. Just get this team into the playoffs with their experience, with the right. roster that they have. Just get this team into the playoffs and see what they can do. And that's kind of where I am with them, right? Like, they're going to be a wild card team. Their their path is not going to be easy. But uh, I'm not sure that anyone wants to go in and face this Islanders team that would, went to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, I think whether you're Boston or Carolina, you don't want to face the Islanders. I think you would rather face Pittsburgh or oh, Florida, I, e- either or would be better just because of the fact that you know it's hard to get goalied especially against the penguins right now with jari the injuries casey DeSmith smith is not an a-list goalie no. by any stretch of the imagination so i guess i'll throw this to you james the islanders have won four games in a row they now do not need to worry about games in hand anymore because teams are catching up and they still remain a good four you know five points ahead of the uh lower teams in the sort of in sort of in the race they're about 3 points up I believe of the Pittsburgh Penguins and what do you think they need to do in their last 10 games to secure that first wild card spot and avoid the Boston Bruins well I
2: I think it's more of the same they they're they're on a heater right now I I don't know if people are ready to say it but that California road trip that was huge I mean they opened it up with a loss in in LA but to come back on the back to back and Really trounced the Ducks who were not a great team, admittedly. But then on a few days rest, look really, really good against the Sharks. Dominant game. And then on more rest, to come back against the Leafs in the way that they did, I thought that showed a lot of resilience. And if there's one thing this Islanders team is known for, it's grit, resilience, and character. And I think now going into the last 10 or so games of the year, um, (laughs) that's that's what every team wants to have. And Lou, you're so right for the Islanders. If they can get into the playoffs with Sorokin, with – Hopefully some players coming back from injury. I don't know what the status is going to be like that because they've got a pretty long injured list at the moment. But I think this Islanders team has a lot um, to like about the way they've been playing. And I think going into the last time, they play Columbus tomorrow. Correct. And that's a winnable game on the road. Um, You continue this win streak on the road before you go back home for a couple of games against a beatable Sabres team and then a division rival who you're fighting for playoff contention with in New Jersey. I think you get, of these next three games four points, I think that's really, really good standing for the rest of the way, and I think that gives you enough confidence in their final six, seven games.
0: Yeah, speaking on the injury front really quickly, of course, Matt Barzell has been out for just about a month. Uh, in the beat report that I had for the Maple Leafs, I was walking to the locker room, and I saw him. He was not dressed up in any way. Well, he was dressed up. He looked very handsome in a mm, suit. He always does. Um, but he's there. And Lou Lamorello... Has said that he plans on him having back when it comes playoff time. So that's pretty big. Not to mention that, I,
1: yeah, I, right. I like the Islanders. They don't. I don't think they go anywhere if they don't have Barzell.
0: Right. Um, putting him on a line with Bo Horvat is essential. Uh, JG Paggio, of course. How, is back. how
1: do you feel about Holmstrom on the first line?
0: So, look, I, he's not going to be on the first line when it comes to playoff. I time. thought he
2: was really good against Toronto.
0: I thought he was very good, and I thought he. I mean, look. His goal was very, very greasy, but he played. He, That's Islanders hockey. Though. That is Islanders <laughs> hockey. Um, but I was more impressed with Hudson Fashing. Than yeah. If we're talking about Bridgeport guys, uh, H- Fashing with an absolute snipe. He's playing hard. I got to talk to Anders Lee about him. He's very impressed.
1: Anders gave a great quote. You sent that to me. He's on he the did. first power play line right now. Are you,
0: yeah. It was in place of Brock Nelson, which, if we're talking about injuries, he's okay. He was skating in practice today, but he took that massive hit to the head. Mm -hmm. Talking about a massive hit to the head, the New Jersey Devils got smacked in overtime against the Minnesota Wild. Mm -hmm. They're both fighting for good spots in the playoffs. Maybe the Wild are a little more concerned than the Devils are right now. James, I'll start with you as our dastardly Devil. Man, what happened in OT? The Devils are an OT team.
2: Yeah, that that this is true, and, and and it looked just like exactly what you want OT to look like just to speak about those five minutes. End-to-end, end, chance after chance after chance, and the Devils defended a two-on-one, had a two-on-one of themselves. Hughes hits the post, five seconds left, just falls to Matt Boldy, and he's alone, and that's what overtime is. Really, you think the Devils take their chances they win that game because they outshot them by, like, 20, um, and that's been the story of the Devils' season. I talked to Jesper Brad after the game, and he made it very clear that you're not going to get better chances. Uh, there was like right. a discussion of quality versus quantity, and the Devils certainly had a quantity of shots. I think they had 48 to Minnesota's 29. Philip Gustafson, by the way, has been terrific in goal all season, and he was excellent. Vanacek was really good the other way. I mean, it was a it was a 1-1 game. Um, 28 saves. That's that's a 27 saves. That's a really good performance from from V. But the Devils have made it clear we're not going to get grade A chances like we might have been getting early in the season. It's crunch time now and we have to be better with what we get in front of the net. Um which is not much. The Wild are incredibly good team defense team. Um clouding the house like crazy. Never, never once did I think the Devils, besides in overtime, had a clear look at goal that I thought this must be a this must be a score. They must get one here. Minnesota, credit to them. Great team. I think they're going to do some damage in the Western Conference in the playoffs. Um, but I wouldn't be too concerned about it yet for the Devils because they put up five against the Lightning. Um, and, yeah, this has been a bad couple of weeks now for New Jersey, but they played so well against Minnesota that I wouldn't be concerned about it. Um, and it just feels good to be able to hear the players say, yeah, at this point of the year when the games are so important, uh, we can't afford to not score goals. And that's just thinking, man, it is 71 games into the year and the games are still important for the Devils. And I, need, I know, I know that's like the bare minimum, and they're a really good team this year, top five in the league, it still feels hard to believe. So I just want to just say that I'm grateful that the Devils are great again and that I get to actually cover them while they're great. It's it's everything to me. So that that's where I'm at. After the game, Like you think that when you lose on a buzzer beater in overtime, everybody's going to be upset, but they were fully accepting of the fact that this was a good performance, not a great one, and we're going to do better in the next. And I love the positivity that was surrounding that locker room. Not terrible vibes, except for Vanacek, who was – who was, I mean, rightfully distraught giving up a goal with less than a second left. But it really wasn't his fault. He had a great game. And, yeah, I think Buffalo tomorrow night, it's a tough place to go and play. But I do think the Devils have enough speed and enough power. They were really physically outmatched, and that's been a problem all year. But I do think that the wild fact that they didn't score enough will be a bit of a wake-up call. I think they go to Buffalo, and I really think they're going to put up a good fight.
1: Hopefully a win. I think they should win. I was sitting next to Nick Guzman during this entire game we We're at the Fordham Ram making the newspaper together, and so I heard him react to that loss. One of the things he was telling me as he was watching the game, talking about Jack Hughes, and he's like, yeah, Jack's in like a really weird spot right now where the, the points aren't coming. Mm-hmm. And that was weird to me because I was like, you know, when you have guys like Hughes where they're fast, they're playmakers, you feel like because of that, they never really disappear. And even though Hughes really hasn't disappeared, like he's still making the passes, the points aren't really coming, and I was like, do you ever get to a point where you're like, man, let's get Hughes going before the playoffs? Because I think the cool thing about the Devils, it's, right, it's they're not just relying on Hughes. They have a ton of talent mm-hmm. throughout their lines, but you'd like to have him going for playoffs. And you're talking about Vanacek. You have to feel like this is the best spot you've been in goaltending. Yeah, as a franchise in probably
2: since Brodor retired, Vanacek is going to be the Devils' first thirty. Have the first Devils' thirty-win season if he wins one more game with with eleven games in the year. I think knock on wood, he should win one. Um, The first time since I think Corey Schneider's like second (laughs) season in New Jersey, and I mean. Corey Schneider had a pretty bad fall from grace. He was an excellent goaltender for that the was, Devils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but that was so brief, and and the team was never good with him. Mm. Yeah, so this, is, this makes everything different. And it's not like Vanacek is good because the team is good. His, his numbers stand up for themselves. And, and that has been the most, I think, surprising thing, is that it's been continuous, too, throughout the year. I've, I've really liked what I've seen from the Devils goaltending, even when it's uh, Akira Schmidt, too, because he has been excellent as a backup.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talked about how they didn't get it done in crunch time against the Wild, and how Vanek must feel letting in that goal with what one point three seconds left or something like that. It was, that.
2: it was like they they didn't even get a chance to get the goal horn off because the actual horn went. Yeah, like, or like the the goal light. Sorry,
0: I I've been there as a goalie, and that is a rough feeling. You yeah. you do not recover that day. You need to go take a nap, wake up, maybe go to a spa. Relax, man. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about Timo Meyer. Mm. Uh He has scored four goals, I believe, since being traded, which isn't bad. Um, three of them have come in the third period. Yeah. And you talk about how, you know, Jack Hughes, you can't rely on him every time, but you have the guys to maybe feed him those passes. I mean, that, that's Timo Meyer's job. What it should be at least on the power play, right?
2: Yeah, the, the the power play has been a problem now for a few weeks. They they can't figure out how to use Meyer, and they've they've just now in practice changed up the lines. Right. They had Meyer as a bumper, and they had Meyer in front of the net, and then they had him on the half wall. He should be on the half wall, but typically it's been Bratt and Hughes, and they they love the cross ice passes. That's not really Meyer's game. Meyer's a guy get it and shoot on the power play. Um, and I I I think that if they figure out a way where they can utilize. At least two of them at a time maybe me drop i think brat is going to play with the second unit now and the second unit is a massive drop off because it goes from hughes meyer he i think mercer and yeah, hamilton to um palat um oh. Brat, Halla, nolan footnow and uh damon severson and that that's a pretty big difference i like a lot of those players on that second unit but there there is just a massive level. Um, if I can speak on Hughes for a second, I'm glad you brought that up. His like game score against average is still consistently within the top four among forwards in the league. Yeah, the points aren't coming, but I think I think it was cause last week he had a rough week against Minnesota. He looked really, really good. i, I he never had the chance he hit the post in an o t, but he was he looked like his old self from the from the middle of the season, the stretch where he was going on like an eight game, eleven game point streak and right. he, he really did like cut up the the wild defense a lot. Never got a great look in front of goal because I think Minnesota did so good recovering as a team. Uh, and that's not something you see a lot in hockey, especially with these high pace type teams. So,
1: I again, I just want to give Minnesota credit because they played really, really I, well. Minnesota's one of the best teams in the West. I know we don't yeah. talk about the West too much because yeah. it is funny how much of a drop-off it is from the East to the West, but, no, Minnesota's a good team. And and there's also, like, up and down in the West because they're so tight.
2: We, we like, right. The right, right now the like West is the more interesting conference in terms of, like, 100%. who's
1: going to get the one seed, right? The, like, it feels like the one the seeds one, are locked up in the yeah. East.
2: One One through three, I would say, is locked up in each division. In the Atlantic and the oh, Pro in the East, East yes, yeah,
1: yes. I Like we can get into this. Like, like the Devils we are technically be. only two points back behind the Hurricanes, but the Hurricanes nah, have two I, games I, at hand, so like, I, don't I don't think I don't see the Devils any change.
2: I, I don't think happening. the Devils catch the Hurricanes. No. I don't think the
1: Rangers catch the Devils. I no, think, I, don't I, think, think,
2: think I think, I think it's gonna get really tight though between those three. I think, I
1: think there's very little to separate no, the, those. Three the Devils changes. would have to go on a slide for the Rangers to catch them. And I also like. I don't think it's the. We were talking about this with Nick Guzman. I was like, I don't think it's the end all, be all if the rangers jump them because you're just fighting it's just for one you're more you're just home fighting game. for home ice and i like the fans are obviously be pretty obviously when, when we get split. to playoffs like i think there's a way where like you can you can control a little bit like new jersey zip codes and whatnot but ranger <laughs> fans are going to get there so it's not like it's not like you get to the devils home ice no. and it's going to be all devils fans and it's the same thing in msg like devils fans are going to get in there so i don't like I don't think that home ice for a series like this actually really matters too much.
0: Yeah, and one thing we can be sure of is that the Rangers will not catch the Carolina Hurricanes, oh, and happened. they did not catch the Carolina Hurricanes in their last game. Three goals in the third period for Carolina. One thing I did like from the Rangers is that you saw some guys putting some points on the score sheet that you don't normally see. Guys like Barclay Goodrow getting an assist, Uh, You had Ryan Lindgren getting on there. uh, Tyler Mott with a goal. Tyler Mott scored, right? With a goal.
1: It's back-to-back games for Mott, too. Yeah, and a nice goal
0: for Cabo Caco. So, you know, I'll I'll go to you, Lou. Three goals in the third period, man.
1: Yeah, and it's tough because I actually thought Igor had a really good game. Obviously, you don't like that that third period. And the fear for me with Carolina has been less this year. Like, I was always scared of Carolina even like going up until that the playoff series last year and we you know we beat them it was not easy and we we had to come back and do we were down 3-2 we had to win a game in their house that we have never hadn't been able to do up until then and throughout the course of this regular season it felt like we've handled Carolina their forecheck hasn't gotten to us as much and it kind of felt like we were on pace for another game where it's like yeah Rangers look like the better team and then I mean Carolinas they could just be so quick and so explosive I always say like you know you want to get the lead on Carolina so that they can't just forecheck check you to death. right? But they also have the offensive explosive to get there. But you talk about, right, Barkley Goodrow getting an assist, Tyler Mott getting a goal. This is the best fourth line I've ever seen the Rangers have. Hmm. Goodrow, VC, Mott, like, especially for what they do, like, that's a really awesome fourth line. And it's like Ranger fans kind of joke about Gerard Gallant's obsession with Barkley Goodrow. And, like, I think he gets a lot of ire from Ranger fans because he has a big contract. And it's, like, he's really only a third-line, fourth-line guy. But he's a really good third-line, fourth-line guy that plays defense that you can kind of move him anywhere. He can play on any line. You need to move him up because you need some defense. Like, yeah, he can do that. Like, he should be a guy that Rangers fans love. And they've kind of had to hate him because... He's been the guy that goes up when the kids go down, or when someone they like goes down. It's like no, Barkley is actually a really fun player to watch, and you're gonna love him if he's on the fourth line.
2: Uh, how is can can he like do a good job on the wing as well? Because I know he's a he's a defensive first player,
1: really good center. Yeah, he I, he can play anywhere. He I can like put where, him anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you can put him anywhere. He's he yeah. played on the wing earlier this year. They put him with Nika and Kreider, and like they had some really they had some really good games. And it's like. I don't love him there. It's like the same when we had Vc on the first line. You know I love Jimmy Vc. It's like yeah, Jimmy Vc's not guy. not really a first line guy. It's like they can kind of play there. Like Goodrow can definitely play the wing, but I love him as that that fourth line center. I think you look at the way the Rangers lines are going. It's been interesting. I think we all thought we were going to get Kane and Panarin paired together, right. and that hasn't been what they've been doing. And actually, what's been working is Panarin, Mika Tarasenko, and Kane, Trocheck, Kreider. And those two lines have really worked, and I think what what that all circles around is the kid line has been really good together. And even though yeah. I just saw a post that the points are falling off a little bit, I think the kids are playing really good hockey. And so the, this is we're still trying to figure out what our playoff line is going to be, and I would not rule out that there's going to be more changes before the end of the year. But I I got a little cautious about Kane and Panarin. It feels like when Panarin's on the ice with Kane, he really tries to force passes. Yeah. Cross-eyed and Panarin loves those cross-eyes passes, and it's like the kind of the trade-off is like, yeah, he's gonna make those passes, they're gonna get intercepted. But when he's out there with Kane, like he's really looking for Kane, it's weird to complain about your superstar being like too willing to defer. But it's like sometimes it's like Panarin just shoot the buck, yeah. I
0: mean, of course, any player is gonna try and pass to Patrick mm-hmm. Kane as much as humanly <laughs> possible. They were, he was their inspiration as, as they were navigating the world of juniors, you know. Um, but I mean, you talked about. You know, mixing around the lines. And of course, we know Gerard Gallant loves to do that. I mean, that's part of the fun of being a Rangers fan, I think, is trying to guess what he's going to do from it's night to part, night. Part
1: of the fun as a beat reporter is I, get, I, I always get pretty good, you know, Twitter clicks when I get to, they've changed the lines. Yeah. Or I post the lines <laughs> for the day. It's always Ranger fans know it at this point. Yeah. And, and, and I think one
0: thing that maybe you're a little salty about is the fact that Tarasenko is putting a lot of shots on net. And none of them are going in. Yeah, uh, recently, yeah. James, I, I'd like to hear your yeah. your thoughts on Tarasenko. So, well,
2: I, if we're going to talk about the lines, I'd like to say that I'd still think that top six can really shuffle around. I yeah, mean,
1: I, I, it'll be good either way.
2: Yeah, and I think that Tarasenko. If you put Kane in the position that Tarasenko is getting, you probably get more goals and that, sure. that that's and that's just one idea. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to have Panarin and Kane together, but that do you know there's that connection there? There's those those glory days in, in uh, Chicago that they have <laughs> together, but I, I those that bottom six, I I mean, t- to call the kid line as a part of a bottom six is seems reductive and seems like almost insulting because they've been so good. Uh, the points drop off. I haven't even noticed that. I mean, Kako getting a goal Uh, against Carolina, and they've got a chance to get revenge against Carolina tonight. Um, And the Hurricanes have been vulnerable uh, with Metropolitan Division teams coming to their home. Uh, Devils and Islanders both put up great fights there. Um, And I think that for – I mean, I love Tarasenko's game. Um, I didn't love that he went to the Rangers, (laughs) but I do think that there is something there. The combination now that you can funnel between five forwards into your first line – Zabanajad is a lock at the center, but Panarin, Tarasenko, Kane, and Kreider, you can mix them out and match so much. And I think Gallant has now probably the deepest of the three New York area teams uh, in terms of forward core. And I think that that's only going to be a weapon that he can use because if something doesn't work, throw it at the wall till it sticks. Switch Kane and Tarasenko. Use your 10 games that you have now left in the season to figure out what works best before the playoffs. Uh, switch Kreider into the first line. I think I love Chris Kreider on the first line, specifically because he brings a power that none of the other six uh, or none of the other five that bring. And I think that you could use that on your first line, especially if you've got playmakers like Panarin or even Kane, whoever it may be. I wouldn't have – I wouldn't worry about uh, Tarasenko's lack of production at this moment if I were Rangers because you have seven other guys waiting in the wings who, you know, can put the puck in the net. And they've done that on this stretch. I mean, six wins in their last seven before the Carolina game. And a couple of six nothing, seven nothing games in a row like that doesn't just happen. Like that, th- it takes a special team for that to happen. And I, I wouldn't be worried about Tarasenko. Not he hits the net a lot too, but he doesn't put it in the back of the net. Uh, and I think that it'll come with time, yeah. As as most uh, mid season acquisitions do.
1: And and there was right there was a shift. It started with the the three two loss to Pittsburgh last Sunday, uh, where the third the third period they were down. Truba made a hit, and then Trocheck and Malkin kind of went back and forth. And it's the first time we've seen Trocek be, like, the pest that he was against the Rangers in the playoffs. They found that spark, and they've been riding it. And it felt like after the trades, the Rangers just felt like, we have so much talent; we can just get by on that. And it's like, no, you still have to play hard. You still have to play aggressive. And now we've seen that chemistry come together. You see the two blowouts against the Predators and the Penguins. Right. So you're seeing those lines start to gel. I agree. I think for the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised that they end up reuniting Kreider and Mika. Like that's mm, been like yeah, a I classic. think that's a great. Deal. They're like it's a good idea. they're a really cute bromance. They they we know they love each other. We know that Panarin and Kane love each other. And I I, I agree. There's really not a ton of players on the Rangers that play the game. That Kreider does, and you could say it's been it is a down year compared to what he did last year because he had fifty goals. Well, right? But yeah, Kreider's yeah. thirty two goals this year. Like I don't think that gets talked enough. Like Kreider's still having a good year. And I will say
2: that there's there was it was kind of a bad thing for him to get fifty goals because now he's never going to be able to live up to that. Again. So many them came on the power play. It yeah. was like
1: a crazy raid, and it's like the Rangers' power year. play has been up and down this year. I think we're starting to find it again. But it's like no Kreider. The way he plays, driving hard to the net, mm-hmm. that's something that you really don't have, and it's. Yeah. I think the line of Mika Panarin Tarasenko—weird to say that there's too much skill, but like it doesn't hurt to have that forward that really can just yeah, stand in front exactly. of the to deflect shots, play that power forward position.
2: And I think you talk about Trocheck being a pest. Mm. You don't necessarily need Trocheck and Kreider together. No. I think I think I think that's something. And the, that you know, what it's funny, around. They
1: play really well together. Mm-hmm. But Trocheck is starting to gel with more people now. It was a problem earlier in the year. Trocheck and Panarin didn't click. Now I don't think that's as much of an issue. Mm.
0: I mean, if we're talking about the best bromance on the Rangers. It's Krybanajad. Oh, easily, by far. So I just want to. Well, it put could that be it in. could
1: be me and Panarin, but we won't talk about that. We
0: we <laughs> will not talk about that. Instead, what we're gonna talk about is the current playoff picture, because we are about each team is about ten games away. It's exciting from being done with their season. Things are far from set in stone, but we're gonna go with what we got <laughs> right now. Today is March twenty third, Thursday, at four forty three p.m. This is what we're going based off of. So if you're listening to this tomorrow and the Florida Panthers are in the playoffs <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Penguins are not, don't complain. This is now. All right. So how we're going to do this is I'm going to read the matchup. Just give me about 15 seconds, 30 seconds, who you think it's going to go to, how many games, and who's going to be the star of that series. All right? All right. James, I'm going to start with you. In the first seed already clinched the playoffs is the Boston Bruins against the second wild card Pittsburgh Penguins. James, what's going down?
2: Uh, I would say Bruins
1: in 4. And who's your star player? Pasternak. Pasternak. Yeah, uh I think Bruins I sneaky think that the Panthers end up taking the second wild card seed. Yeah. Like I I'm not sure. I think the, sure. Panthers get I think the Penguins are the better team, but I don't like the way that they're trending, and so I think the Panthers end up taking the seed. Either way it's it's Bruins in 4 or 5 and the Bruins star is everyone cuz they're so good. It's they're going to be they're going to run through them. Do, but before you go, I just
2: want to ask, who do you think has a better chance against the Bruins? The Panthers or the Penguins? Penguins. It's the Penguins. Really?
1: Okay. I just Penguin hmm. penguins can play that that dirty game and make you angry. True, and really also, well. I I, love, yeah. I wasn't big on like the Rangers rivalry week, where it's like we're playing the Penguins three times in like our next next four games. That ended up being so electric yeah. because I hate the Penguins. Ah, uh, man, I like, they make me the so mad. Yeah, But it's 17. so fun to play against them. Like it will be better for the league if we get Bruins Penguins. They kind of give me similar vibes. They're both yellow. Like it's and the colors. So work. I need I need that to happen. Yeah, I mean, but it, I think the I think it might go to the Panthers. It, it
0: would be nice to not see the Penguins in the playoffs for the first time in a, Forever. in like 18 years. Not for nothing. I think I did call this in the first episode of the year.
1: I have, I'll have to go back and listen. I think I called the Penguins falling
0: off. Okay. Well, I mean, they very much might as a lot of their decor is injured. Uh, but with that said, I would say Bruins in five, your star players is Tyler Bertuzzi. Ooh, wow. He's he's gonna step up in the playoffs. You know me, I'm all about the hot takes. <laughs> I would like a hot take from both of you here. Maple Leafs Lightning. It is the Maple Leafs who have home ice here. You want a hot take?
2: Uh Lightning and six. Hmm. <laughs> I'll go I'll go Leafs and Six. Okay. I think I think it's the I think the Leafs finally get one. Okay. Who's who's your star players? Vasilevsky.
0: Ryan O'Reilly right <laughs> coming off of the broken finger yeah. you love to see it he
1: play, he plays in the playoffs because why not
0: i have yeah. tampa bay in six uh your star player is i agree vasilevsky yeah, i feel man, like how could it not be he's gonna stand on his head rob marner a couple you, you, you times you really
1: think it's another first round exit for the leafs yes. yes they can't like if it doesn't happen now it doesn't happen at all like this is this is it oh it's got to be. i'm well aware and they have to get past the, but... the first round once. It feels like the lightning era is kind of over. We haven't heard. There's been no buzz around the Lightning. That's actually, that actually scares me. There's been no buzz around that's, the Lightning this uh, year. That's actually now. That that's I'm talking just about, that's how good they terrifying. are. They're, they're only. They're only
2: a, like a, a if it's least it, it might be least in seven.
0: Least. Now, now when you see lightning strike. You don't hear anything. The thunder comes mm. after. Mm. Oh, uh, I it's just all I re- quiet. I realized <laughs> that
1: as I was talking about, it, like, we haven't heard anything about the lightning. It's just they've quietly had a ninety-point season. Yep, they're going to get to a hundred points. The highest and they're point scorers in the league. They're good. No, they're good. Mm. But so are the Leafs. The Leafs are really. <laughs> These are two really good teams. Kucherov's on a hundred points right now. <laughs> Let's move on to our next. <laughs> one. Otherwise, we'll real quick, day. is it a. Uh, like, cause I know we've been clamoring for like, just get rid of like the way the playoff seating is right now and go one through fourteen. Yeah. Would these matchups still be the same if it was normal? Cause I know like it kind of is working out. because yeah. The East is so stacked.
2: I think I think someone wrote a thing if it was one through eight in the East it would be the same, but mm-hmm. if it was one through sixteen it'd obviously be different. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, it would never. All right, let's move on to the first place in the Metropolitan Division, Carolina Hurricanes, against your first wild card spot, New York Islanders. Uh, Lou, we're gonna start with you this time.
1: I'm, I Hurricanes are really good. Um they are really good. But I mean I'll give you Isles in seven. Whoa. If if Barzels wow. if Barcel plays. Okay. If Barzell plays, I think the Isles can hang with them. I just have like I picked the Hurricanes as my team to win the Stanley Cup this year at the beginning of the season. I just haven't been Overly impressed, and then you look at the Sveshnikov injury on top of Pacharetti, and it's like, listen, I think the Hurricanes—they're still good enough to close out this division. They're they're going to be a good team. They're going to be a good playoff team. That system's going to work no matter who's there. But that Sveshnikov injury is going to hurt them a lot. And I think that, like, I think the Islanders—if they go into the playoffs with the momentum like we're seeing right now—that's a tough out. And like, they lose to the Bruins, they could beat the Hurricanes. I'll give, regardless
2: of Barzal, that this, this, this series goes deep, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to give the edge to the Hurricanes just because I think they have too much. I'll give Hurricanes in seven. You're dead um, to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do that. But you look at the the, the the Carolina Hurricanes, and yeah, they're they're not as impressive as they were last year, maybe. And I think I had them as my Stanley Cup champion before the year. I no longer agree with that. I still think that th- this team has has too much firepower at its top end for the Islanders to to handle at, in a seven game series, and I think once the Hurricanes get going, they're probably the second toughest team in the NHL to stop. The
1: hur- Hurricanes are the better yeah. team than the Islanders, yeah.
2: so I, I I can't in good confidence, even though I'd like to. Nick, I'm not confident. It's okay, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I'll
0: go with Carolina, Lou. You're always my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I am going. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I like that. I Isles like Isles and Seven. No, I, I like Isles <laughs> and Seven. We're being objective here. Isles right. and Seven. It's uh, not a bad pick, man. No, it's not. And I think your star is going to be Ryan Pollock with another mm. diving block to save In the game. game seven?
1: Your star is Josh Bailey. Oh, <laughs> oh, without saying.
0: All right, let's move on to perhaps the most contentious oh, one. Boy. I wonder who you're going to choose. Uh oh. Devils and Rangers, Devils have home ice. I'm starting with James. Who do you think is gonna win?
2: Uh I I think this is going to be one of the most fun playoff series in recent memory. Yes. In a very long time. Um I'll I'll remind you of what happened the last time these two teams met in the playoffs and oh, it was the Devils is. won in, in six in two thousand twelve. That was also a really good series. And that was an that all- Adam th- An all time series. <laughs> Um, and I, I do think the Devils are probably just a hair better than the Rangers in every category except goaltending. Mm. And for that, and but I've seen the Devils put up goals against Igor this year that convinces me that it shouldn't be as big of a roadblock as it can be for some other teams.
1: So I have the Devils in six. I have the Rangers in six. I would love this series to go seven. Absolutely. But for some reason, I keep seeing the number six because I do feel like one team's gonna come in and end up being the more dominant yeah. force. And for unbiased reasons, I do think it's the Rangers. <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm going to pick the Rangers. I'm a Rangers beat reporter. I'm a Rangers fan. I do think if the offense is clicking. When you get to the playoffs, you're going to see the Igor that you're starting to see where it's like his last three games, it's like a one eight nine 8 9 goal, goal, something allowed, and the, the save percentage is getting up there. Like, Igor is starting to get into a zone that he really hasn't been in yep. all year. The way he played against Pittsburgh when you could tell he wanted a shutout. Yeah, that was And it's crazy. like, oh, Igor, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this angry from you Igor. in a while. You're going to see angry Igor in the playoffs. I think this is a really fun matchup, right, where the Devils have the speed advantage. And for the longest time, always talked about the Rangers as, man, the Rangers' speed. I don't know that the Rangers are as fast as they have been in years past. I am a little worried about the Devils' speed, but I do think this is the Rangers' overall offensive talent. As long as Ryan Lindgren is healthy, if Lindgren's hurt, Rangers are in trouble. Even if they get by the first round, the Rangers cannot do anything without Ryan Lindgren. If you're watching the Rangers right now and you're noticing that Adam Fox has taken a step back both offensively and defensively, he's struggling playing with Mikula because Lindgren does so much on the defensive end. One of the unsung heroes, someone that they really—people aren't talking enough about how much they need to sign Ryan Lindgren to a long-term contract. (laughs) They need to lock Ryan Lindgren up. So as long as Lindgren's healthy, I do see the Rangers winning in six. I have the Rangers in five.
0: Oh, wow. Um, and that's for two reasons. I think the two keys to playoff hockey is, one, your goaltending. Goaltending is more important in the playoffs than maybe anything. And second is a complete team. And when I think about a complete team, you need it to win playoff games, and that is the Rangers for me compared to the Devils. And my my thinking on this is influenced by the playoff series I saw between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings, where Edmonton is not a deep team. The Kings are a deep team, but not heavily talented. And the Kings, who were expected to lose in four games, took them to seven and lost in Edmonton. Man, if I was an Edmonton fan, I would not be happy, even though you won that series. And when I'm thinking about that, the Devils seem like the Edmonton team here, and the Rangers seem like the complete, but also talented team, and... You know, Igor can goalie the heck out of you. I think Banachek has it in him. I'm, he's not Igor. You don't have, he's to, not you don't have to hype Vitek up that much for and me. And so, <laughs> look, I. who do I think is going to win more Cups in the future? I might go the Devils.
1: I, I think that's probably a safer play. The Rangers are, like we said, they're going to be in a weird spot in a couple of years. They will be, especially, the, the Rangers especially window with cap is, space. Is small. Well. It's small. It's smaller than I'd like to admit.
2: Yeah. But, but they're in the middle of it because it right. started right. several seasons ago. Right.
0: So, yes, Rangers in five. Let's move to the West real quick. Uh, let's go for your Central Division winners. It's looking like ours is going to be the Dallas Stars against the wild card one Seattle Kraken. I'll start with Jamesy.
2: This is another one because the Kraken, are like the entire Pacific Division between the Knights and Kraken, up and down, up and down. Like yeah. we, we did this in the middle point of the year, and we we're like, the Kraken are like going to run away with the Pacific Division. This is crazy. And, I mean, they're only... What ten points back, but a fall, a bit of a fall from grace. Yeah. The stars yeah. have been after the knights, I think, and the kings, probably the most impressive team in the West throughout. I think they're at very top heavy with who they've got scoring all the goals. I mean, Jason Robertson's been a revelation, so I think it'd yes. be hard to bet against the stars and this early in, uh, in in the playoffs. But we've seen some magic from expansion teams before. Uh, in the playoffs. The Kraken, I think, are going to use that to their advantage
1: flying into the playoffs, but I, I do think the Stars will win in probably five games. Yeah, I'd go with Stars. I think you look at the way Ottinger played in the playoffs last year, and you go, he's mm-hmm. got he's got that beast in him. I also it. I also do, I think, Dallas, I don't know if they're a better team than Seattle. I think it's very close, but they've been the better team Consistently this year, it's tough for me to go against Dallas, but I'd say Dallas in six or seven. I think it, it's a good series. Just to just to throw some tires and spokes in the tire real Let's quick. um
2: The Stars have fewer wins than the Kraken this year. The Stars have 14 overtime losses. That's a lot of their points have come from just taking games to regulation. However, in in the playoffs, overtime looks a little different, and that could be to their advantage. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can right. last 60 minutes more than most teams can. Kraken may not have the same character or experience, and why would you expect them to have that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I got stars and four here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really see the Kraken, especially with how they've been playing recently coming back from this. I like Robertson. I like Heiskanen. Odinger is going to play well in the playoffs, I, I almost guarantee. Uh, So, yeah, stars and four. Let's move to second seed in the Central Wild versus the third seed, Colorado Avalanche. I'm, ju- I'm just going to say... I have Avalanche in five. Ooh, uh, yeah. The Wild are not a playoff team yet.
2: Ah, this is so close. I think this is closer than we're giving it credit for. I'll go Avalanche in seven. Actually, actually. I think the I think the Wild have. If we're talking about goaltending, I think the Wild have it. Uh, a great scenario with two incredibly reliable guys, um, and I think that Colorado. I mean, they have Georgiev, and, you know, I, I really liked Georgiev. I always thought, and I said this on the podcast before, that Rangers fans – were spoiled for backup goaltenders I agree. in We've addition been spoiled to their starters. for starters. We've had a lot of good backup. Yeah. We had
1: Cam Talbot.
2: Cam Talbot, Antti Ranta. like they have they, had like <laughs> rental uh backup goaltenders who were good enough to be Our starters. backup goalies become starters. For it's awesome.
1: from yeah, they, 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 I don't know who's... someone someone better go out there and sign Yaroslav Halak. Yarra Halak's been ball. Well, Yaroslav Halak's
2: got a great career ahead of him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> who, who's your starting goaltender for the Wild then? I think, I'm
0: starting Mark Andre Fleury.
2: I think I'm starting Fleury, and I think that should you lose one game by a lot of goals hmm. Philip Gustafson is going to put in a terrific performance in the next game so uh, but it has to be flurry i mean he's one of vezino within the last 3 years
0: Three four, years four ago years? Yeah. 3, years, three ago. years ago
2: and i mean you saw him when he wanted to get up in binner's I mean, face i, wish I wanted every bit fight. of that let, I let want... flowers fight yeah. it yeah. was let like, Flowers fight like let's
1: man, go man, let's bam, go bam,
2: bam. he's like and then he's like, oh, just let me pick up my stuff, Ralph He's just a chill dude. He dog. was so happy yeah. about it. You can't not root for him. But the Avalanche are the <laughs> reigning champs for a reason. And once they get fully healthy, players are already coming back from injury. The Avalanche are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think that they will eventually grow into the playoffs as well. I think they're going to have a tough time in the first round. And then maybe if they play the Stars in the second round... Oh, they'd wipe them up. The I face think of the I earth. think they would actually give the Stars the business.
1: Yeah, I see Avs they're getting, getting off to a slow start in this playoff, so I'll say Avs in six. But I also think, you know, we're talking about the seeding maybe changing in the West. Yeah, they could I two. think I think the Avs get the one, actually. Wow. They're two points behind the Stars in the Wild, and they have a game at hand. Mm. And then you look at as the Avalanche get more healthy, there's no denying they're the most talented team in the West when they're fully healthy, I think. Yeah. Um. And, and so I wouldn't be surprised if the Avs end up leaping both the Stars in the Wild, getting that one seed, and then playing a Wild Card team.
2: The only team in the West with more wins than the Avalanche is the Golden Knights.
1: Wow! They've got twelve. They've got twelve games left. The Stars and Wild have eleven. Okay. I think I think that ends up being a a division that the Avalanche wins.
0: Sure. Uh, we got two more matchups. Let's, Let's take a look at the first place in the Pacific by just a hair, the Vegas Golden Knights, against the second wild card team, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we'll go to Lou first. All uh, right.
1: Yeah, I think this is this is Vegas all the way. I'm yeah. not really too impressed with the Jets. They got some nice pieces, but I think Vegas has put together such a strong season this year. Again, they're another team that doesn't get the respect they deserve because we kind of clown the West because they don't have the Bruins or a powerhouse like that like to the extent they're not a 100-point team yet. But Vegas has been really good. I think this is Vegas in five.
2: I'm going to go Vegas in five as well. Um, I think the top five, six teams, maybe, in the NHL are all in the East. And. You know, I, I think you put the you put the Winnipeg Jets into the Eastern Conference. I think they maybe get seventy four points to this point. I like, think
1: they're probably like
2: Buffalo. Yeah, I think they're Buffalo or like mm-hmm. Washington. Yeah, you know? they're probably like Washington. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because the Jets have great players on that team, you look at their roster and you look in goal who they've got. Mm-hmm. That that's, would be the, to me. That's the only way that they see a way out of this playoff series. And we've seen Hellebuck have great stretches of four or five games in a row. Hellebuck, where he did looks like a brick the wall hell out of the range. Yeah, oh and my I god, I will that say. Game and then he'll come out the next week against
1: the Devils. Only see twenty-five right. shots, and we'll have given up four goals. But <laughs> it, it all it all hinges on Hellebuck because if yeah. you watch that Rangers game, the Rangers. Doubled the amount of shots that Winnipeg got off. Like you were not Absolutely. impressed at all. Winnipeg's offense. It's yeah. going to Hellebuck's going to have to stand on his head, and that's tough to do in a seven-game
2: series. There's no for me. There's no way he steals more than two games. And I'll say maybe maybe they get he probably, maybe he probably they get will. One. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I do think I do think five is a really realistic expectation. And I think the Golden Knights were kind of a sleeping giant last year. I think we kind of forgot how good that they can be. Um, and with the West not getting as much attention as the East, I think it's time to take a step back and. Admire the Vegas Golden Knights for who they are. I have
0: Vegas and six. Uh, I have Hellebuck goalieing them in the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they turned to Jonathan Quick uh, in the third game. Uh, just, just for one game, just a little for bit one of game. Prime Jonathan Quick comes and out and then there. the Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have Golden Knights and six for the reasons that you all said. I think they have a more complete team. I think shypley's great, but they just don't have the firepower. Especially defensively, besides uh, Josh Morrissey, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see them going anywhere. Per, per, frankly, per usual. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for the Jets, and finally, in second place in the Pacific, you have the Los Angeles Kings playing against the third place Edmonton Oilers. Let's go to James. Why is it Oilers? I'm gonna go Kings, man. Whoa! I'm going
2: Kings. I'd love to pick the Oilers. And they're, they're on heater right now. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are. Yeah, mm-hmm. but to be fair, both of them are. Um, I, I'm i just... I love the way the Kings play hockey. Yes. I, I honestly believe that after the Golden Knights, they're the second best team in this conference. Um, even better than the Stars, I think from top to bottom. Um, I, I know Jonathan Quick might uh, no longer be with the Kings. He's not going to be able to bring that playoff magic that he captured in 2012 and 2014 against both of our teams, you know. But... Uh, for the Oilers, we talk, we talk about for the Jets, it's going to be about a goalie stealing a series. For the Oilers, it's about can your forwards steal the series. And for the Kings, it's can you contain 97 and 29 right. over a seven-game series enough for the rest of your team to really do damage. Because I think the outside of those two guys, and I know it's beating a dead horse, is what we hear about Edmonton every year, if you can, you're not going to be able to stop McDavid. If you can stop Dreisaitl from being as good as McDavid, I think the Kings can be confident they win this series, and I think they should be confident that they're going to score goals. Um, the Oilers give up a lot of goals, so that that should work in their favor. For all the playoff teams, I think the Oilers give up far and away the yeah. most goals in the West with 242 um, total from the season. Um, I think the Kings should really be licking their chops at a series with the Oilers, and honestly. Th- yeah. I'll and, give them
0: six games. And this is why the trade for... Corpusalo uh, and Gavrikov was so huge, especially mm-hmm. when you're going up against the Oilers. Is that you add a good piece on defense and more reliable, a reliable, a reliable piece in goaltending? Less of a wild card. I,
1: th- I think I'm going Oilers in seven. But man, this is such a good matchup. Yeah. Uh, again, it's you know the star power of Edmonton. I think they're they're still way too top heavy. It's the same story. They're not good enough to win a cup. They're not good enough to get to the cup. No. Um. But I think that McDavid-Draisaitl combo is going to be—it should be enough to get them through the first round. It's tough because the Kings do play a great style of hockey. Uh, but I, again, I just see—I think McDavid and Draisaitl get to the second round. Okay, but it will it will be in seven games if that. There, yeah. it, it'll be way easier for the Kings to dominate the series and win in less than seven games than it will be for the Oilers. Okay, well, I think
2: that's a great way to put
0: it.
1: Like yeah, if the Oilers are winning it, it's in seven. The Kings could win the series right. in five or six. Mm-hmm.
0: So, we're going around one more time. Just give me a name, Con Smythe winner. Ooh, I'm not right. <laughs> I gotta, um, ooh.
2: Give me a second to think. Give me a second to think.
1: Because we have to factor in who's winning the cup. You got to right? factor That's in who is going. Who do you to think's winning it... the cup and oh, who's winning in the Con Smythe? It's tough to pick. It's tough to pick against the Bruins, right? Like yeah,
2: I'm thinking Bruins mostly. <laughs> Okay. It's Definitely p- thinking Easter
1: i th- It's probably. It's honestly. It, this has been a storybook season Ooh. for the Bruins. So if they win the Cup, it's got to be Bergeron. Oh, like,
2: I love that pick. Actually. It's got to be. I'll go Linus Olmark just because I think. That's That's I think true. like That's if if you're gonna give it to one Bruin, make make it be the goaltender who's, on,
0: arguably running away with the Vesna. Your Con Smythe winner. Josh Mark Bailey. Stone. Oh. <laughs> Of Mark the Vegas Stone Golden Knights, yeah, that's a okay.
2: good pick. It's a good pick.
0: I think I think Vegas might actually do it, and I hope the Kings and Vegas play each other because I hope Jonathan Quick is playing.
1: He, like here's a here's a conversation: Does the East wear itself out over the first three question. rounds of the playoffs? That by the time you get to the Cup, that the West is actually in a better spot. Y- yes and no. It depends on who because the Bruins could fly through the East if they play
2: really good hockey, I, which they've been doing. I don't think the Bruins will. But I think I think there's a point to be made about wearing yourself out. Because I think if let's say the Carolina Hurricanes reach the Stanley Cup final, um, I think, like last year, I think they put up the best fight of any Eastern Conference team against the Avalanche, just because they could match them for the way that they play the best, in my opinion. The Lightning obviously were the most formidable team in the East for years, but I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that like should the Rangers beat the Devils and Hurricanes and then the Bruins and get to the Stanley Cup Final, that they can use that as an excuse to say, like, we were too worn out to beat, like, the Golden Knights. Right.
1: But I think the issue is right. you saw this with the Rangers, that they won two series in seven games, that by the time they got to the Lightning, adrenaline took them through the first two games, and then they just lost all their legs, and Tampa came off of a four-game sweep and was able to get to the Cup, and it's like... I think if you're talking about the playoff equation, part of it is you have to be able to sweep someone or beat someone yes. in a short yeah. amount of time. Like and the thing with the East is it's so stacked where even as a Rangers fan, I'm looking at like, yeah, series of the Devils is probably gonna go to seven games right any, Anyone you play in the Atlantic, anyone you play in the Metropolitan, it's hard to see that series not going going to seven games. And it's like I saw what back to back seven game series does. If you're if you're getting to the cup, that's probably another seven game series. It's hard to see that you're not mm. gas, and you hope that like the teams that have the playoff experience, right? Like, like the Lightning, and hopefully now like the Rangers realize that coming in, whereas the Rangers didn't probably realize it going into last year. But I, I like you're looking at the East, and it's so stacked. Yeah. I do think it's if you get a lot of seven game series, like that's a factor.
0: And that's why I like a team from the Pacific going all the way. Is that if you can if you can get out of that Pacific round in a short amount of time. I don't think you'll have any problem beating a central team. And then you're already basically there. So that will do yes. it for us on five on three. I would like to thank our audio and video producer, Maddie Beaumonte and her dear Carolina hurricanes uh, <laughs> for James, cheaters.
1: Never win for James
0: Burley, Lou Orlando. I am Nick Palmer and five on three is a show. On WFUV it Sports is that, It is a That's show a Thank you all for listening Of course we will see you next week Have a good evening